Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit dogwood.church. Join us now as Pastor Keith shares today's message. Uh, so everyone can uh, grab their phones and text everybody and say, hey, you better hurry in. <laughs> the sermon's starting uh, a little early. Uh, truth of the matter is, since I've been back from my study break, I've had a, tr- a lot of trouble getting my, uh, my, all my words out in time, and so they've told me they were giving me about 50 minutes this morning at the start of the service. Not really, not really, not really. <clears throat> they said, just still try to wrap it up, you know, sometime before lunch. And so, uh, uh, so, so we are, we are. Now, let, now what we're really doing is um, today we come to a, a passage uh, in the Sermon on the Mount. You know, we're in this nine-week sprint through Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, uh, the most famous sermon ever delivered by uh, and by our Lord, uh, obviously. And, uh, but we come to what might be the most familiar passage in the Sermon on the Mount. And we would know it, some of us would have known it first as the Our Father, or the Lord's Prayer, or maybe the model, uh, the model prayer. And so I'm going to teach what Jesus said here, and then in the the second half of our worship service together, we're going to have prayer practice. How's that? And uh, here's the way it will work. There'll be three segments of prayer time. Uh, our musicians will come back, and um, there will be some instructions you'll see on the screens, uh, just silent instructions uh, for each of three sections of the Lord's Prayer, and give you some time just to pray in a focused manner uh, in each of those sections. They will step up and then we will sing a song to God that relates to the the theme of that section of the prayer times. That makes sense? Then we'll move into a second prayer time and then a second song, a third uh, prayer segment and a, a third time. So uh, that's where we're that's where we're headed. Just want to give you a road map uh, so you'll know where uh, where we're going uh, this morning. <clears throat> Kids are, uh, are are wonderful theologians, and uh, I collect stories of what our uh, kids sometimes say. Uh, one Sunday morning, over in the uh, the children's ministry in the Quest, uh, one of the life group leaders for our younger elementary kids uh, asked a question to open up the, the time together and said, boys and girls, uh, what do we know about God? And one little guy popped his hand up really quick and said, he's an artist and his name is Howard. And I said, what? And he said, well, you know, our father who does art in heaven, Howard be thy name, you know, that guy. That really happened. That really happened. I do make up some stuff, I've got to tell you. You know, and I'm not going to pass up on a good story. But I, and I try to be honest, but that one happened. That was good. Our Father who does art in heaven, Howard, be thy name. <clears throat> well, many of, us, uh, many of us would like to pray. In fact, it's interesting. Uh, anthropologists, the field of anthropology will, will tell us that Worldwide, on every continent, in almost every people group, we find people pray. People pray. 
even those in the Western culture, we, you know, we find um, pretty much only in the Western culture do we find people who would describe themselves as naturalists as opposed to supernaturalists. Uh, people who would, believe, who would take the view that, that the natural world, what we see and experience here is reality. That's all there is. There is nothing that exists outside of that. But it's interesting that a high percentage of naturalists also say from time to time that they pray. Hmm. And so I think what that says is that deep down in the nature of human beings, uh, you know, I'm a supernaturalist, most of you are, or you wouldn't be here today, is that part of the image of God is that He created a spiritual beings with a desire to communicate with God. Even those who believe there is nothing out there, and if you ask, well, who or what are you praying to? Well, I'm not, you know, it's just prayer. There's, there's, there is something in us that desires to call out to something or someone who is up there, who is out there, who is bigger and better and more powerful than we are. We want to know how to pray. Well, this reminds me of a time when Jesus, there on the mountainside, as we've been studying in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, taught His disciples how to pray. Now, quick, quick catch up for the journey in this greatest sermon ever preached. Jesus started it by describing uh, who is in the kingdom of heaven, how they get there. Uh, in, in Matthew chapter 5, He describes what real righteousness is and looks like. Righteousness being how to be rightly related to God the Father and what kind of lifestyle ethically and morally does one begin to manifest or one begin to, to display uh, as they are citizens in the kingdom of heaven? He started with the Beatitudes. He said, you know, we, we enter the kingdom of heaven by recognizing our poverty of spirit, that we are spiritually bankrupt. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, those who realize their moral and spiritual foul-ups and have nothing to commend them to God whatsoever. And blessed are those who mourn that reality, mourn their sin and repent of it. And, um, and they're blessed because uh, they, 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 you know, get in the kingdom of God. And, and then blessed are those who are gentle, or meek, meaning that those who recognize their own spiritual depravity and grieve it, then rather than being harsh and judgmental toward other people who are uh, sinners and who mess up and foul up, they become very, we become, real Christians become gentle and understanding because we know how easy it is ourselves to fall off the wagon, Right? That'd been a good place to say right, right there. Right, right. Yeah, so help us, Lord. And so, and on and on and on. And so he describes this, this progression, and then he says to us, and you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Jesus said, you, real Christians, real Christians, are the hope of the world. The salt of the earth holding back uh, further decay in people's lives and in the life of society and bringing the light of the gospel, which is, brings hope and grace and love and peace and joy and, and, um, and, and human flourishing to all people. You're, the, you're blessed to be a, a blessing. And then he described what this righteousness looks like in lifestyle, and he raised 
the standard of living, redefining what gets credit for murder and adultery and lying and so forth, and ultimately saying that you're to love as God loves. You're to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect or complete or mature. I mean, you just love indiscriminately. Even your enemies, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who do harm to you. I mean, what righteousness looks like. And then in chapter 6, now he didn't say, we're now going to chapter 6. Y'all understand that, don't you? We, we divided the Bible up later. Uh, it was just his sermon, but he shifted to personal worship, personal righteousness in chapter 5, and then personal worship, what real worship of God looks like in chapter 6. Last week, Pastor John Warnock did a magnificent job teaching that first section of uh, what personal worship looks like that is pleasing to God. And he gave us three practices. Uh, when you, um, when you uh, pray, when you give to the poor, when you um, fast, do it this way. And he taught us that real worship means that we do it to and for God, not for the blessing and praise of anyone else. It, it's a heart matter. Now, right in the middle of that, personal worship time, he stops and says, not only is this, here's the right motive for praying, but here's how you do it. And that's where we are today, the Lord's Prayer. It's going to be on the screen. I want you to take a look at it, and I'll read it aloud while you follow along. He said, after this manner, therefore pray ye. Matter of fact, close your eyes and pray it with me. Ready? Here we go. Our Father, which art in heaven... Hallowed be thy name. Come on, wait a minute, let's start over. Come on. You, we're, you sound like you're leading in the mumble to worship here. So let's, let's pray it. Close, but you got it. Most of you got it. Ready? Here we go. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive those who, de- who trespass, that shifted on you, didn't I? As, w- as we forgive our debtors, sorry. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, you can learn to pray God's way if we learn following uh, what Jesus taught us here. Now, some of you are saying, oh, Pastor, are you going to spend a whole morning on this? I've known this for years. I've repeated this for years. I've got this one down by heart. I mean, what's the big deal? I mean, all my life I grew up going to confession and then I would be assigned three-hour fathers. I would kneel and pray and go on my way. Or maybe you grew up in a Protestant tradition like I did and uh, you say, well, well, we go to services and our pastor would say, and now let us pray as our Lord taught us to pray and we would repeat the Lord's Prayer just like you said. Or maybe some of you, like me, you're, you're not an athlete now. You were former in major on the former. You can tell by looking at us how... And, and so right before, you know, in the locker room, right before our coaches would say, you know, break the doors down and rip their heads off, we would do what? Pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, now go kill them, you know, and they're cursing, you know, a bunch of cussing and shouting. Oh, I don't think that's quite what Jesus had in mind here when He gave us, um, he gave us this. You know, Jesus... 
That's not quite what he meant. In fact, if you'll look at your Bibles in Matthew chapter 6 and put it in reverse and back it up a couple of of verses beginning in in verse 7 and 8, here's what he said. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And so he, he's saying, don't pray like the pagans. Now, what do you mean pagans? Well, how many of you have spent any time in uh, uh, India, Southeast Asia, part of the world? Anybody? A few of you. Steve, did you ever see the prayer wheels on the side of the road? You know, some of that even made it into an old Southern gospel song. I think I, I wish they could, when you see, see a little, feel a little prayer wheel turning, you ever remember that old song? Talk amongst yourselves. That shouldn't be in there. That's not a Christian notion. That's a pagan notion. In some religions, it is believed that you are heard by your frequency of, of, of words. And so the prayers in, a, in some of the other world religions and expressions are just repeated over and over and over. And the more you repeat them, uh, the better the chance that your prayer is going to be answered. So some of the uh, more creative members of those faiths uh, created a tradition of a prayer wheel that um, uh, the wind would, would turn and that you write out your prayers and put it on the prayer wheel. And when the wind blows, the theory was that the wheel would turn and the prayer went to heaven. It's kind of automatic. You didn't even have to say it. Now, we're no better than that when we're in the locker room doing what I said we did. And Jesus said, no, 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 you're babbling. He slammed mindless repetition of prayers. You say, so you shouldn't prepare your prayers? No, no, no. I, much of the time when I pray a prayer in here, I have written it out because I'm talking to God. I want to be careful what I say, but it's very heartfelt. So he's not, he's not talking about prepared prayers. He's saying mindless repetition of any prayer is just a waste of time. A waste of time. So when Jesus gave to us the Our Father or the Lord's Prayer or the model prayer, He never intended for us just to repeat it. I've got to get these particular words and then I'll say that and just to repeat them mindlessly. Now, there's nothing wrong with praying these words from your heart. In fact, there's a lot right about it. A lot right about it. But uh, He actually gave this. It's better, I think, a more accurate title for this prayer. It's not original with me but uh, followers of Jesus who have been wise in the ways of walking with Jesus for hundreds of years call this the model prayer. There you go. It, is, it was given as a guide to teach us the kind, the sequencing and the kind of things that, that God would have us pray for and in what way in order to pray effective prayers. And I want to teach that to you uh, this morning. So grab a note sheet there and uh, grab your pen and here we, here we go. There are eight forms of prayer uh, given in, as a guide in this prayer that Jesus gave us as a model. And I'm just going to rip through them right quick, but we'll come back. They are adoration, confession, renewal, petition, intercession, affirmation, 
thanksgiving, and praise. And they're all illustrated in here. Now, you don't need to know all those because we're going to give you the guide here as we walk through. In fact, the great, the genius of the model prayer is that he is literally giving you the subject matter of your prayers and in, in a great order to, to bring them. So here we go. You can pray the way God intends for people to pray if you'll first of all... I'm going to give you, a, I'm going to give you eight... Uh, kind of one-word focus words to hang these on. So first word, write down in your notes, is God. We start with God. We first of all begin praying to the right God. Look at verse 9. What did he say there? Our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. We start by addressing the God of the Bible. There are many people who pray, and sometimes when I ask them, well, who do you pray to? They say, well, I'm not sure. Or I'm just, you know, there's power in prayer. But we address the God of the Bible. Now look, look, look at me and listen very closely. I've, I say this at least once a year here, and I'm here to um, say it again. We do not believe in the power of prayer. That is not a Christian notion. We do not believe in the power of prayer. You say, you say Bum, there's power in prayer. No, 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 there's not. We believe in the power of the Lord God Almighty to whom we pray and He answers. The power is in the, is, is the, is whoever is the object of our faith and trust expressed in our prayers. Uh, mindless praying or just general, I'm just going to pray, you know, effective prayers are not, are not delivered to uh, false gods not delivered to your crystals or um, stars or Mother Earth or the evil one or what you know there or some shrine to there, no 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 effective prayers are delivered only to the Lord God Almighty the Maker of heaven and earth uh, God the Father through God the Son our Lord and Savior Jesus. Christ. It is the God. He says, our Father in heaven, we pray to God. And notice that he says the key there is not just praying to the God of the Bible, but that you know Him personally, that you're in relationship with Him. There's a pronoun there, our Father, not the Father, our Father. He says something has happened there to take people who were estranged from God the Father dead, lost to a relationship with God the Father because of sin. Something has happened to reconcile them. And that thing is faith alone in Christ alone uh, as Lord and Savior, trusting in what He, God the Son Himself did when He died on the cross, atoning for our sin because we could not do so, rising from the dead, proving He had the power to do so, that we turn from our sin, place our trust in Jesus, surrender to Him as Lord of our life. And the Bible says when that happens, we are justified. We are reconciled to God the Father through faith in Christ. We are joined with Him. We are adopted as His children. We're given the gift of abundant and eternal life. His Spirit uh, changes our hearts and takes up residence in our life. And we have a relationship with Him. That is the key. You must first be reconciled to God through faith in Jesus. So begin your prayers by being sure that you are a Christian, a real Christian. 
that you have given your life uh, to Him. When, when, when God becomes your Father through faith in Jesus, you have direct access to Him. Now, how many of you were, were kind of, you're, you're, you've been in the club a long time. I mean, you're church initiated. Maybe you grew up and um, yeah, you, you will know the story of what happened on the day of the death of Jesus on the cross. One of the things that happened, the accounts in the gospel says, is that in the temple in Jerusalem, the big, the veil, it is called, the, the curtain uh, that separated uh, the people from the Holy of Holies, from the, from, the, uh, from the presence of God. What happened to that curtain? It was ripped from top to bottom. It was torn in two by the hand of God Himself. Prior to that time, the people of God did not have direct access. They had to go through the high priest and let him go into the presence of God and make sure we got everything okay. But when the Lord Jesus accomplished what he accomplished when he died on the cross and rose from the dead, the veil was torn in two. Sometimes we'll be singing a song, the veil's been torn away. And somebody's going there, what, what? Wedding, what? It, it's, it's this, we now have direct access to God. You don't have to go through a you are a you don't have to go through a priest. You don't have to pray through, you know, any you he is our great high priest. And he said he's made you, his children, a kingdom of priests, so that you are the one you have direct access to God the Father through faith in Christ. You can just pray to him any old time. You don't have to have an appointment. You can just go right in. Now I uh I have uh I have a granddaughter who's an enthusiastic granddaughter. And she's young enough that I didn't have to ask permission to tell this story yet. But uh, I have uh, uh, Nancy Eden sitting here. She's our receptionist uh, at the office. and I am, uh, I am very limited in my capacity, so I'm not always available to everybody. I'm trying to write sermons, and sometimes I'm meeting with you. I had a guy the other day said, I don't like it to have to make an appointment with you. A person should just be able to walk in and see their pastor any old time. Right? Well, unless he's in there. You want people just to walk in on you? you know? No, of course not. Silly. And, not, and besides that, I say, you want me to be like God, to be able to deal with everybody at the same time. We've already got one of those. I'm not him. In fact, I have less, Robert, I got less capacity than I've ever had in my whole life. Less energy, less sense, you know. I'm, I'm, so, and, but, uh, so I have my assistant, uh, it, kind of guards the door, you know, and she sets appointments and that kind of thing, all except for one group of people, my kids and my bride. And so when my granddaughter shows up and comes through the front door, she used to stop and say hello to our receptionist, Nancy Eden, but she just starts running down the hall now and goes through every door right into where I am no matter what's going on. I like that. So does she. And that's what you have with God the Father if you're a follower of Jesus. You have direct access. You don't have to make an appointment. You can go right in. That's why he says you start by praying to the right God the right way. Second, write down this word. Write down the word praise. We then continue praying by praising God. He says in verse 9, Hallowed be thy name. Now here we find two prayer principles. Adoration which means we are praising God for His character, His characteristics, who He is, and thanksgiving. 
adoration and thanksgiving, thanking God for the good things He's done in our lives. And so in, in Psalm 100, verse 4, the Scriptures say this. It tells us how we, how we go about approaching God. It says, enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name. You continue by praising Him. And so address the right God and then spend a moment praising Him. Now, so how do we, what does that look like? Well, um, you might read one of the Psalms to Him out loud, uh, one of the Psalms of praise. Or maybe you get a, an old favorite hymnal and, and sing, uh, you know, it's just you so nobody can hear but Him and He likes it no matter how you sound. You sing one of, a, a hymn to Him or, a, or, a, or one of the Scripture songs that we use in the services here. Maybe sing a song to Him. Uh, you focus on an aspect of His character, His love, His mercy, His grace, His holiness, His goodness, His power, His presence, His knowledge, His eternality, His immortality, whatever. And you, you just acknowledge that and tell Him how great He is. And then you thank Him for the good things in your life. I recommend you look back over the last 24 hours and just make a list of the good things in your life. Um. Some of you, again, that grew up in, in, uh, in church will know the old hymn, Count Your Many Blessings. Count your blessings, name them one by one. See, they went to church as a kid. <laughs> yeah, and it, count your blessings. It says, name them one by one to God. Do it. Do that in your prayer. Just look back over the last 24 hours and spend some time thanking Him. So pray to so God, to the right God. Praise. Third, write down this word, submit. Submit yourself to God and His will for the day. Uh, look at verse 10. What does it say? Say it out loud with me. Ready? Here we go. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In heaven, we find here the principle of prayer, principle of affirmation, which means that I affirm God's will and that it is good and that I am going to submit myself to His will. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we pray, Your kingdom come, we're acknowledging that Jesus is our King. A King has ultimate authority over a, over a realm and a final say so. What He says goes. And we live under His supervision, under His authority. So when we say, Your kingdom come, we begin with us saying, I submit my will to You because I believe Your will is best. You have my best interest at heart, whether I understand it or not. And for this day, I am resubmitting myself. Uh, in fact, in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, he says this, So then, my friends, because of God's great mercy to us, I appeal to you, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God, dedicated to His service and pleasing to Him. This is the true worship that you should offer. Worship equals submission. Submission is what worship is. We are in what we call a worship service. If we understand it better when we say, we as the Dogwood Church family are gathering to serve God today by worshiping Him. In other words, we offer a 
a service of worship to Him. And every aspect of this, every element, our songs to God, our prayers to God, listening to the Scriptures with an attitude of, I'm going to do what you say, uh, and your will, this is your will be, I want to know what your will is so that I can submit to it. Our offerings to God or a, a submitting our material possessions to God, it is all an act of submission. If it is not an act of submission, it is not worship. So in our personal prayer life, we spend uh, a, a little time again for the day, for the next 24 hours, resubmitting ourselves to God. Jesus said it this way, if anyone would come after me, let them deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. Let them deny themselves, lay, lay down their lives, give up their life. That cross was an, uh, an, uh, a tool of execution and follow me. Submit. So you spend some time submitting yourself uh, to, to Him. Number four, jot this down. Write down the word ask. Ask. Ask God to meet your daily needs and the needs of others. Now, this is where we usually begin. But see, we're now in the model prayer. Jesus is saying, pray this way. We're now four steps in to approaching our loving Heavenly Father before we ask, before we make requests. Now, there are two principles of prayer in this passage. One is the principle of petition, which means praying for my own needs. The other is the element of intercession, which means praying for other people or other issues and their needs. And so spend some, those are big words, but just do this. Spend a little bit of time asking God for what you need and asking Him to supply the needs of other people that you're concerned about. That makes sense? Now that'll be the easiest part for us, right? Right? We'll do that. We'll do that because he will, uh, he will do that. So, and make a list. You say, what should I pray for? Whatever you want to pray for. But soon, as you, as you begin to practice these conversations with God, your, your prayer request list will get too big to pray it all in one day. And so I recommend designing your own cycle of kind of your areas of life. Uh, there are seven areas that I've divided my life into and their their spiritual, family, social, which are all my relationships, health, material, ministry and mission, and personal development. And that just happens to be mine. And and so I rotate through those every seven days. Don't have time to do them all in in one day. And then praying for the needs of others. One day I, I pray for churches and ministers that I know. I pray for the other pastors at the churches in our community. They're all dear friends of mine and prayer partners of mine. Uh, we matter of fact, we're meeting uh, this Wednesday morning to pray together and just spend a little time together. I pray for them. I pray for their churches. I pray for my other friends in ministry and other churches that I, I care about and that God brings to mind other ministries in the area like our friends with Operation Mobilization and at, uh, African Inland Mission. And I mean, I'll, you know, we got all these guys here in town. I pray for those guys. One day I pray for them. Uh, I'll pray for my family members, immediate and extended, uh, on one day. I pray for the unbelievers in my life that I want to see come to faith. You still got your card? You got them? You still got your index card? You're praying for... Here are my top seven. I'm seeing if any of you are in here today. Sometimes one of you's here. One of you are here. Pray for you. Pray for them. I pray for the believers, other believers. Uh, like I pray for you as your pastor. 
I can't get you all in one day, but I'm, you know I'll, I'm praying for five days a week. I try to pray for five families or households in our church, and I'm working my way through the crowd. And, um, but I pray for you. We pray for the prayer requests that come in. Uh, I pray for our government and our society and, and our leaders locally, state, and national. Uh, one day I pray for world missions and then other, other, other stuff. But you just pray and keep on praying these things. This is just... This is just how it's developed with me. You develop your own cycle and your own list, but that's just some examples. So number five, you can, you can pray God's way by following this pattern. And the fifth step is confess. This means confessing our sins to God and asking His forgiveness uh, and, and cleansing. Look at verse 12. What does it say? And forgive us our debts. How many of your translations say what I tried to pray a little earlier? Trespasses. Forgive us our trespasses. You know, trespasses is such a beautiful word, it should not be used for sin. Don't you think? Forgive us our trespasses. That sounds much nicer than forgive me for my, you know, what it really is. My sorriness, my sinfulness uh, that I've, I've committed. But we spend some time confessing our sins to God because unconfessed and unresolved, un, uh, unrepented of sin in the life of a believer cuts off our good fellowship with God the Father and short-circuits His power for our life in ministry. And so he says, deal uh, with this. And so pray Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24 there. Lord, each day search me and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there's any sinful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. And then whatever He brings to mind, admit it, own it, grieve it, and thank Him for His cleansing and forgiveness. Because 1 John 1, 1.9 says He'll do it. Remember, God's spiritual bar of soap. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I tend to take a bath every morning and I use a bar of soap. I use my bar of soap every day. And I tend to find that I also in my prayer time need to use God's spiritual bar of soap every morning. And usually throughout the day from time. To time, So spend some time confessing our sins because you can pray powerful, effective prayers if you start praying to the right God the right way, praising Him, submitting to Him, uh, asking, uh, praying for yourself and the needs of others, confessing your own sins and claiming His forgiveness and cleansing. And then number six, write down this word, forgive. Verse 12, as we also have forgiven our debtors, Whoa, okay, here we go. Now here is some major league, extreme, graduate level Christianity praying. But it's intended for every believer. This is deep, this is big, this is huge. Jesus is saying here, an unforgiving heart is, is a symptom of a heart that remains full of unconfessed, unresolved unrepented of sin. Here's, what, here's really what he's saying we should pray. You ready for this one? He's saying this. We should pray this way. God, forgive me in the same way and to the same extent that I have forgiven the people who sinned against me. Dang. See, I, I, 
I studied this one again to make sure I knew what he's saying. I got out all my Greek words and all that stuff, and I found out that what he means is, is forgive me to the same extent that I've been willing to forgive the people I hate. So how are you doing with that? Well, he's just told us just a few verses earlier in chapter 5 to love your enemies. Pray for those who've harmed you. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who harm you. And so here he says, so spend some time praying for that. People who have harmed you, forgive them. Forgive me, Lord, just like I forgave old, what's his name? And so we might have to start honestly there by saying, Lord, I don't want to forgive them. Now that's good praying. So start backing it all the way up until you're honest. You ready? You get in your reverse here? Let's start back. How far back do you have to go to be honest with God? Dirt honest with God. How far you got to go? Lord, I don't want to forgive them. That's, that's honest. And... And you might even need to back it up like I did at one point to say, well, that's not completely all of it. Lord, I don't, I don't want to want to forgive them. Anybody want to get over in that bucket with me? Yeah, come I in. That's where you, you I mean, no use in praying if you're not going to be honest. Because then he says, good, now we, got, now we can work with this. I don't even want to want to, so I guess I need you to, Work on my wanter so that I at least begin to want what you want me to want and then help me there. Now that's good praying. Start there. Because the Lord said, I, I know I have, you've already submitted to His will, right? And He's already commanded you His will is to forgive those that you hate, your enemies. And so, so, okay, well, I've submitted to it. How do I work that out? You begin by praying. Lord, I don't even want to want to, so, but I've submitted myself to your will, so will you begin working in my heart and get me to at least to the next step? And then every day you've got an appointment with him, and you're going to come back to that, that same point. And he starts doing some business in your hearts at that time, and one day it works its way all the way out to your social relationships. Forgive Forgive. Write down one more word, number seven. Write down the word battle. Ask for protection from temptation and the evil one. Verse 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We find here the prayer necessity of protection as we face temptation to disobey God and to sin from the world, the flesh, and the devil, the Scriptures say. That's what spirit, you've heard the term spiritual warfare. It's not about this goofy, silly, supernatural, weird, demonic stuff you see in the movies. Uh, even though, I mean, you know, demons are out there. Jesus said they were. But the battle is this deal with our hearts as to whether or not we obey God or not. It's the battle against sin. Every day you're going to be tempted not to submit to the will of God but to disobey. And so we're in a battle. And so we pray for, lead us not in, deliver me from temptation. He said, empower me to resist sin and temptation. So how do you do that, Pastor? Another sermon for another time. Just know 
do it. Just no, do it. We'll get there later on. And deliver us from evil. There are violent, wicked people in the world who seek harm of others. And so I pray, you've, you've heard me pray it in here before, Lord, deliver us from any violent, wicked people, whether they're next door or around the world, uh, because, you know, He can protect us. If he, if he doesn't protect us, we're in trouble. And so we, we pray that. So spend some time praying for protection for the world. Spend some time putting on the spiritual armor of God found in Ephesians chapter 6 as, uh, as the way to stand against temptation. And then finally, number 8, write down the word praise. It's praise again. End as you begin with God in praise. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Guys, you can pray effective prayers God's way if you will use the model prayer that Jesus taught us as your guideline for your prayer life with, with God. Now, we're going to practice that. Our musicians are going to come on up. Wherever you guys, come on up, hurry, and take your places. There you go. And uh, on the screen, in just a moment, our first prayer segment's going to come up. And uh, you'll, you'll just follow the silent instructions. Three segments of the Lord's Prayer. Uh, then our team will step up and lead us in a song that reflects the same kind of praying we just did. There'll be a time of prayer, a time of singing to God, a time of prayer, a time of singing to God, a time of prayer, a time of singing to God. And we want you to enter in. So now, just turn the place where you're seated, as we say, into your own personal place of prayer and take a look at your first instructions on the screen. And let's enter into a time of prayer. Thank you for listening to the Dogwood Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message. For more information and other sermons, visit dogwood.church. If you'd like to give to Dogwood Church, you can use your smartphone and text keyword dogwood to 779-77 or click the give link online. You can now download the Dogwood Church app for Apple and Android devices for podcast, video, and more.